guys can stand and join us. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you. We long for you. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away, Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises, Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way.
So it's not about us. It's about the God that we serve. And the next song that we're going to sing together is Faithful and True because that's what he is. He is faithful and true. And our ladies are going to start off uh, for us. So ladies, you get an opportunity to do a solo. The men uh, will come in and just join along.
Good morning. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. And I'm very excited for us as we begin uh, this new uh, series. Um, Acts is one of those uh, books that uh, we had been considering starting for uh, some time. And the timing just didn't seem right at a few other times. And so it uh, certainly seems appropriate as I try to lock these wheels. It certainly seems appropriate as... The church, and not just our church, but the church, the global church of Christ, has been experiencing this pandemic together. And I know that uh, in, in my world, if you will, as I look around at things on the internet and things on social media, there are, there are a lot of people talking about what the church is going to look like uh, when this is all over. And many of them are doing so, um, I'm afraid, thinking uh, that the church may need to reinvent itself. Um, and this is a, a sad way to view the church, as the church is not something that reinvents itself unless we think of the church as getting back to what we should have been doing to start with. And maybe if you frame it like that, this pandemic has caused us to realize that very thing. That in many ways, the church has become distracted. And we are thinking about anything and everything but what God has called us to think about. We're thinking about all of these things we need to be doing, and we most often miss what we're supposed to be doing. We get caught up in doing things, some of which are good, but not that are best. We don't have a lot of time. I don't know if you realize that or not, but time is short. Even our text this morning reminds us of that very thing. And so because time is short, we must be doing the best things. We must be focused on the mission that God has set before us. We must be mindful of the time. We realize that all around us, this pandemic and quarantine and shutdowns and mandates have, have changed people's lives. But in that, as the church, as we've thought about all of that, as it caused us to really think about what is most important, not to get caught up in all the things we could be doing or all the things that we have done or all the things that we might do, but what we should be doing for the cause of Christ. So this sermon series is entitled The Church Begins because 
Acts is the beginning of the church, the beginning of the work of the church, the beginning of the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Acts is the second part of the book of Luke. And so Luke looks at the life of Jesus and brings us to his resurrection. And then the book of Acts picks up there. It is that second book that begins to tell us the history of what the church has done. And friends, I would tell you that while everything we read in here we cannot consider to be normative or average and know that it may not happen here, we also realize that God in in sending out His early church was sending out a church that would reach people for the gospel until He came again. And because He has not yet come, because He has not yet come again, because the second return of Christ has not happened or rather the second coming of Christ does not happen, then we have much work to do. And we must not be distracted. So let's read together then. From Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I invite you to stand with me as we read God's Word together. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up after He had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom He had chosen. He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait on the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as they went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room and they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to consider the mission. I want us to consider the mission that God has for us. If you took a few minutes and you wrote down what is the the purpose and the mission of the church... There are no doubt, because looking around, most of you have been in church a significant amount of time, that you would write some of these down. You would have these in your mind. They would be things that you think about when you think about the mission of the church. But I want us to to consider that mission. I want us to consider truths about that mission this morning. Because, friends, it is the imperative thing that God has given us. It is the primary task that God has given us. Jesus Himself, in those last days, was speaking about the kingdom of God. In that time that He was with His disciples, He was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And His purpose was to send them out to proclaim the kingdom. And friends, we need to be about that business this morning. We need to be about that business because everyone is proclaiming something about a kingdom. A kingdom that they have in their mind. Something they want to set up. Everyone has a purpose that they're living for. Friends, our purpose is to proclaim that eternal kingdom of God that will never pass away. 
that eternal kingdom of God, that if, if people are not in that kingdom, if they're not part of that kingdom, then they have no hope. And during 2020, as we've had multiple crises in our country, many people have no hope. They're living with no hope. Friends, we have hope. And that is the mission. So let's consider these things. What do we know about this mission that God has sent us on? The first thing we see there in those first few verses, the mission is possible because Jesus is alive. The mission is possible because Jesus is alive. After he introduces the book, he says, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. How was he taken up? How does Luke end? Friends, Jesus was placed on a cross for your sin and for my sin. Jesus died there in our place. He died there to pay the penalty of our sin. But as Luke has recorded in his gospel, he tells us that on the third day, Jesus came back. That God raised Jesus from the dead. That, that God the Father raised God the Son from the dead. He was no longer in the tomb. The tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. Jesus was alive. And Jesus always will be alive. And he presented himself, look, verse 3, alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and when he did, he spoke about the kingdom. Friends, the reason you and I can and must participate in the mission that God has for us, he is alive. You go out and find the tombs, the graves of the founders of all the religions of the world, and they are there. But the tomb in which Jesus laid is empty. And friends, that's, that's powerful for us. We do not serve a dead religious leader. We follow a risen Savior. He has conquered the grave. And so when we go out on the mission that God has for us to, to proclaim this good news, to proclaim His kingdom, we do so knowing that we are proclaiming a hope that is for all those who follow Him. Because not only is He alive, but we will be alive with Him forever. As news stories broke this week that the the president and many others had contracted the coronavirus. Though it, I find it in quite bad taste, news articles began to be published about what happens if the president dies. Or some of them seeming gleeful, what happens if the president and the vice president dies? We've got a protocol for that, right? But even with the protocol, what happens? A, a new president would be sworn in, but we still have to go and, and mourn the one who died, right? Because he's still dead. And we've had, we've had 45 presidents. And most of them are dead. And so the leader of the greatest country in the world will still die. And when he dies, he is dead. But friends, our leader... Our leader died and rose again. And that's where the power lies. That our, our Heavenly Father raised His Son. And so when we go out, we do not have to go out teaching the words of a man who is dead, but rather we teach a book that is alive. We teach words that are alive from a Savior who is alive. The mission is possible because Jesus is alive. Second, the, the mission is empowered by the Spirit. The mission is empowered by the Spirit. And while he's staying with them, look, verse 4, while he's staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Friends, if you remember, as we went through John's gospel not too many months ago, 
There was this promise that was made, a promise that was made to the disciples of Jesus that a comforter would be sent to them, a helper would be sent to them. And that promise is renewed here. He tells them, stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit comes because the Spirit will empower you to go on the mission that I have before you. As Baptists, sometimes we like to neglect the Spirit. We've seen the, the working or the alleged working of the Spirit misused and abused by our charismatic brothers and sisters. This thought that somehow you must have these miraculous works of the Spirit present in your life to even claim to be a Christian is foolishness and quite unbiblical. But the reality is that we should not neglect the Spirit because the Spirit is where our power comes from. Without the Spirit, we have no power. Because the Spirit is the, Spirit is the promise that God has made. The Spirit is, is the natural aftermath of the resurrection. God has raised Jesus up. And Jesus, in fulfilling that resurrection, also fulfills His promise of the Spirit who would dwell with, with us when He departs. That we would not be on our own. That when we read His Word, we would not have to do so by ourselves. When we pray to Him, that it would not be dependent upon us for God to hear our prayer. Rather, the Spirit is there even when we have no words to say. Even when we don't even know what we should be praying for, the Spirit is there working on our behalf. That is the good news that we have. Is Not only is the mission possible because Jesus is alive, but it has been empowered by the Spirit. The work that we have to do is not on our own. And friends, it's easy for us to forget about that. Because we, we live in a society that is all about doing for yourself. You know, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. The, the rugged individualism that, that tells us that, that we need to work hard if we want to have anything in this life. But the reality is that when we look at the mission that we have, if we work all on our own, if we get out there and, and we work hard in our own power, we're going to accomplish nothing. It, it might look like, now listen, it, it might look like we're accomplishing a lot because things might get done. There might be some people who show up at church because we worked really hard. Or, or there might be some, some things in the church that get done because we worked really hard. But friends, there's a lot of preachers that use their own slick words to wrangle people in. But friends, it's the Spirit that saves people. It's not us. It's not our words. It's not our works. It's not how impressive we are. Friends, it's the Spirit that moves. And the Spirit works as the Spirit pleases. It's not something we can force Him to do. And so when we get this, this idea in our mind that, that we, can, we can make God do what we want, or we can go out there and do it on our own and maybe God will bless it on the back end. Friends, your power is the Spirit. Your power is not your words. Your power is not your knowledge. Your power is not your abilities. The Spirit is your power. When we look at Scripture and we look at the people that God uses, He uses people that are dependent upon Him. Because the person that's dependent upon themselves will always fail. The mission is empowered not because God is... is called only the great people, the people who speak the best, the people who are the best looking, the people who are the smartest, the people who are the most influential. The mission is empowered because God sent His Spirit to empower His people to go to the ends of the earth. The mission is empowered by the Spirit. What's he say as we move on? When they came together, they asked, is it, is it time? 
Is it time for the, the, the kingdom? Is it time for you to restore Israel? And he said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what time it is. It's not a, it's not a mission of worry where we worry about what's going to happen next, although that's what we're tempted to do, right? We're always worried about what's going to happen next. But he says, you're going to receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and what will happen? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The mission is empowered by the Spirit, and then the mission is to the ends of the earth. The mission is to the ends of the earth. Friends, the mission is not just about Eichard for us. The mission is not just about Eastern Burke County for us. It's not just about Burke County or North Carolina or the United States for us. The mission is to the ends of the earth. Now, how do you get to the ends of the earth? You start right here. We start right here, and we don't stop until we get there. Friends, that's got to be our passion because that's the Lord's passion. And it's, it's a complete passion. So don't miss this. It's a complete passion. So if your passion is only for Burke County, you do not have the Lord's passion. Understand that. People talk about missions beginning at home, and it does begin at home. It doesn't stop there. Our mission is to the ends of the earth. And so if if your mission is, well, we've got four walls in this building, although this one's kind of odd, so maybe it's like five. If that's where your passion stops, you're not sharing the Lord's passion. Understand that. But now, the other side is true. There are some people who their only passion is that that we get to the ends of the earth. Their only passion is, is there as far away as possible. Friends, that's not the Lord's passion. They were to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit came. And then they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem where they lived in Samaria around them, their neighbors in Judah and Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. And when we get to the end of the book of Acts, guess what? They are approaching the ends of the known world. Why? Because that's the Lord's passion and that's their mission. Friends, if your mission is just this building, that is really small for a cosmic God who set the stars in place. I don't know if you realize this or not, Eichard is a small community. You may not be aware of that. We have a McDonald's. It does throw people off. I had that conversation with someone this week. They said, Eichard, where is that at? I said, well, it's, it's, it's west of Hickory, between Hickory and Morganton. Oh, yes, y'all have a McDonald's there. We do. I said, we have some nice people, too, and a Burger King and a Taco Bell. You know, we... That's our landmark, folks, is the McDonald's in a gas station in Eichard. And it would be easy to say, well, okay, we are a small community and and we can't do much. Friends, we've had people on the ground in multiple continents since I've been your pastor. We support missionaries to the ends of the earth. Both some personally and others through other avenues. We've taken mission trips and disaster trips in the history of this church all over our country. From Eichard. I-card. One card. Every other name that we've ever heard it called. Because our vision can't be just for this place. And it would be easy when, in a time like this, in a pandemic, when, when there's been such a struggle, when, when there's been hardship, when we, when we know people are suffering, it would be really, really simple to circle the wagons and say, we've got to take care of ourselves, Friends, that's true. And we've got to take care of ourselves to the end of the earth. Is that your understanding of God's vision for your life? You say, well, pastor, I can't go on a plane to somewhere else. That's fine. There's a way to do it. There's a way to support. There's a way to work. You need to understand this. In, in our state, in North Carolina, 
There are people from every place in the world here. Why? Well, because North Carolina is awesome, right? This is, we've got four seasons, we've got, you know, urban areas, we've got mountains, we've got beaches, we've got research universities, we've got all the things that bring the world here, and they are here. And just last month, as we took up the North Carolina Missions offering, what does that go toward? It goes toward planting churches among people from the nations who have come here who have never heard the gospel. And we're not sending that to some other place far away. We're doing it right here. Why? Because that's God's global vision. It starts at home, but it never ends at home. It starts here, and it starts with the work that we do here in our community. But it doesn't stop. It starts with things like taking food boxes to people who are hungry. But it doesn't end until we've reached the entire world with the gospel. And you say, again, we can't. We're ichored. We're small. Friends, it doesn't matter what anyone else does, and it doesn't matter what anyone else would think of us. Our mission as a church is to go to the ends of the earth. And if nobody goes with us, that's fine. We'll go ourselves. And people say we don't have the resources and we don't have the time. And those things might be true, but we're going to use it until we have it. Until our time is expired, our resources are gone, we will try to reach people in Eichard to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because we have an empowered mission by the Spirit. We have a mission that's possible because we have a risen Savior. And his mission is for us to go to the end of the earth. What do we see forth? And when he had said these things, verse 9, as they were looking on, he lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. What an amazing sight that must have been and also a heartbreaking sight. And they're looking on, a cloud takes him, verse 10, and while they're gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. Don't you love this about God? Here they are, this amazing moment. Jesus has just ascended to the Father. And they're, they're standing there and they're looking and they're in awe, no doubt, of what has happened. And immediately, God sends two men in white robes and says, what are you looking at? Why are you staring? He's gone, but he's coming back. The work is now started. The work has begun. Your mission is at hand. Why are you looking up? Get to work. He's coming again. The mission is urgent because Christ is coming again. The mission is urgent. Friends, I, I'm not one that gets up and tries to give you dates and times of when the return of Jesus is happening and, and all of these things, and you'll not see me posting on social media about how this is a sign of the times or that is a sign of the times. Here's the reality. The mission has always been urgent. And no matter what is happening in the world around us, we are one day closer today to Jesus coming back than we were yesterday. And the mission He has for us is urgent. He is coming again. And when He comes, He's going to claim His church. And until the day He comes, our mission is to go to the ends of the earth and proclaim the kingdom of God. Your mission is not whatever job you have. Your mission is not whatever vocation you have chosen. Your mission in life is not what you do to earn money or, or what you do to have stuff. Your mission is to proclaim the kingdom of God. Whether it's from behind this pulpit or from wherever you work every day, your mission is to proclaim His kingdom because it is urgent. Friends, think about this. Over this, these last several months, there have been Tens of thousands of people who have died with COVID. Now, you're going to say, well, underlying conditions and, and all of this, and people were sick, and people in hospice and nursing homes, all that's true, they're still dead. And you don't get to stand before God and say, now, God, I had an underlying condition when I died of COVID, and so I, I get a pass, right? 
I wasn't expecting COVID. I was going to get right with you. I was going to repent, and, and, and you, know, you and I were going to be tight, but then I got COVID, and I died. And No, that's not how it works. Friends, people are leaving this earth without knowing God. All over. Millions of people die every year. There's 7 billion people in our world. Millions of people die every year. And many of them, most of them, die without knowing Christ. We can debate all we want how people are dying and what government policies should be and mandates and all of that. People are dying, and they're dying without knowing Jesus. What are we doing about it? See, the message, this book, this Acts of the Apostles, it begins with urgency because that is exactly what we have. Urgency because He is coming soon and it is urgent that we share the good news of the kingdom now before it is too late. Because if He came back today, it would be too late. It would be too late for millions of people. If He comes back tomorrow, guess what? It will still be too late for millions of people. It'll be too late for them to hear. It'll be too late for them to know Him. It will be done. He will have returned. And we will rejoice in that because we are His church and we will be with Him. But friends, He didn't send us to look up at the sky and worry about when He was coming back. He didn't send us to look up at the sky and anticipate His return. And that's what far too many Christians do. They're looking up at the sky and they're not looking out at the people in front of them who need to hear the gospel of Christ. The mission we have is urgent. Christ is coming again. So they returned to Jerusalem. From the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And they had entered, they come back and they enter and they go to the upper room where they were staying. And we've got Peter and John and James, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. They're all there. And what does verse 14 said? All these, they're together. They're ready to go out. They're ready for the spirit. They're ready to be empowered. All these with one accord. They were together with one heart. Why? Because the mission requires unity. The mission requires unity. Friends, to accomplish what God has for us to accomplish, we've got to be on the same page. And you know what the page is? There's only one page. It's the mission. The mission requires that everybody be on the mission. It's amazing how that works, right? That we don't have this agenda or that agenda. Because it will tear us apart. And friends, we're seeing that happen. Within our own convention, we're seeing that happen on a national level. Everybody wanted to do their own thing, and nobody focused on the mission, reaching people for the gospel. That's what we desperately need. And friends, it'll tear a church apart if that's the thing. If, if, if some of you want to do this thing, because it's, it's good, but it's not the mission. And, and, and some over here, they want to do this thing, and some over here want to do that thing, and, and this guy wants to do this thing. That's not the mission. It's good, but it's not the mission. It's lofty. It helps people. It takes care of needs, but it's not the mission, friends. It's not worth doing. It has to be about the mission. The mission requires unity. When they come back, they're in one accord, ready to go, ready to reach the world with the gospel, ready to go and preach to the nations. They are ready to go because God has called them together. Jesus has made them His disciples. They have watched Him ascend into heaven. He has promised them the Spirit, and they have gone back to Jerusalem to wait on that very thing. To wait for the Spirit so they can go on the mission. Friends, we have the Spirit. This morning, if you have repented of your sin, if you have believed the gospel, The Spirit of God dwells within you. Not some spirit, not a partial spirit. Friends, the full Spirit of God dwells within you. There's no partial and and half and whatever. The Spirit of God dwells within you. That means you're empowered to go on His mission. The mission He has won for you on the cross. And He calls you to be unified with brothers and sisters in Christ for the purpose of that mission. As you think about your own life, is your your heart consumed by the mission that God has for us? Or are you doing your own thing? 
Guess what we're going to find out of this pandemic is there's a lot of people who have decided to do their own thing. Now, here's the truth. They had decided that a long time ago, but the pandemic has given them license to do that. So you're hearing more and more about people who are saying, I, you know, I can worship on my own. I had a student recently who told me, well, he attends church. This is before the pandemic. He attends church online. Friends, you don't attend church online. You don't gather with the saints online. We can watch service if we can't be here. We can sing together. Andrew did a fantastic job over the summer of putting the words up where you as your family could actually sing. Dude rocking some Star Wars shirts in the corner of our videos, giving us words where we could sing together as families in our homes. Friends, that is fantastic. That is not coming together. I sat and looked at this little camera right here so many times over the spring and summer. But that wasn't worshiping with you. But friends, that's where we are. People want such individualized church that, that they need their exact little need met. But friends, church, this is, this is the beginning of the church. And he doesn't tell them here, find the place that has your needs met. He says, find the place that's on the mission. And go on the mission. Because it's about reaching others and not getting something for ourselves. Friends, there's some good preaching online. There's some really good preaching on video. But there's no churches online that are on the mission. The mission is about being together unified, proclaiming the gospel to those who are lost. And friends, nothing, no need that we have or want filled or feeding that we need is paramount to the mission of sharing the gospel with others who are lost and dying and on their way to hell. They're of one accord. And what do they do? As they're all these with one accord, what is their unifying thing? When they are unified, what do they do? Look at the end of verse 14. We're devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Isn't that amazing? Do you remember that it was at one point Jesus' mother and brothers who came to him and wanted him to shut up? They wanted Jesus to stop. He was embarrassing them. He, he, they, they came to him and, and said, we don't, you need to be quiet. Luckily for them, fortunately for him, blessed for them, he didn't. He continued, even, even, even with his family saying, shh, quiet down. He continued to proclaim. And what do we find here? Acts chapter 1. He's ascended back into heaven. All of them are together. The disciples are together. The, the women of the group are together. His mother is there. His brothers are there. They're all together, unified. And what are they doing? They are praying. The mission must be covered in prayer. The mission must be covered in prayer. Friends, are you praying for the work that God has forced to do? We talk about praying a lot, and we do a lot of praying. I, mean, I can see it as someone says, you know, this is happening in my life, or this is happening in my family, and, and people will, will pray for that. I know at many points in my ministry, you've been praying for me. You've been praying for my work and my family. You've been praying for what is going on. You've been praying for, for this church. Friends, if we're going to be unified around the mission, it must be that we're praying toward the mission. That we're praying that we're praying that many people would come to know Christ. Because you realize that this mission that's from here to the ends of the earth is the same as we go throughout. Because what's bad, and I think this is being cleared up by the way our culture is going, what's bad is that that when we think about people over there, you know, far away, technically you can go over there this both ways. Uh, we think about people over there, and we think about that they need Jesus, you know, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to go in and rescue them. They need Jesus, and the reality is they do. 
And don't listen to the media and the hype that tells you that there's some type of, of colonialism and when we're taking the gospel to people, you're trying to, to enslave them or hurt them. The reality is that there are only two types of people in this world, redeemed people and people who are slaves to sin. And, and faith in Christ is, is not bondage, it's freedom. But we think about that for people over there. We pray for them and we pray for those missionaries, but we fail to, to bring that all the way back to Eichard and realize that, that lost people live in the homes around us. We go to your community and lost people live in the house across the street from you and down the block and at the end of the cul-de-sac. People in your neighborhood are lost. The person that sits next to you at work is lost. The student sitting next to you in the desk next to you in science or math, they're lost. They're just as lost as the person far, far away who speaks a language you've never heard of, who lives in a town you can't pronounce. They're lost and need Jesus, and your neighbor is lost and need Jesus, and the mission is from here to the ends of the earth. And to even begin, we've got to pray. We've got to pray for our lost neighbor. We've got to pray for our lost coworker. We've got to pray for the, the countries and the people groups who have never heard the gospel. We've got to pray for them. We've got to, to pray for them without ceasing. We've got to pray for them day and night. We've got to pray that God would use us. We wouldn't simply say, God, God send a missionary to reach them. We would say, God, send me. God, send me. Send me for that task. God, send my resources for that task. God, God I, I, I want to reach my neighbor. God, send me to do that. Not, not somebody else. Don't let somebody else have the joy of leading them. Lord, you take that joy. Because, friends, there might not be someone else. You might be the one God is sending. We've got to pray this mission we have been sent on must be covered in prayer. The disciples and the women with them and Mary and Jesus' brothers, all of them come together and they pray. And friends, it is after they pray, it is after they are unified around prayer that God sends them out. So friends, that's the mission. That is the mission that God has for us it is, it is no easy mission. It is not one that we can take lightly. It's one that we must never take lightly. But it is the mission that God has for us. And are we going to go on that mission with Him? Are we going to go on that mission with Him even this morning? We must ask ourselves that very question. Are we going to go on the mission? Are we going to follow Him and obey Him? That's our challenge. See, it's easy to talk about this, and it's easy to listen, and it's easy to say, oh, this sounds good. The question is, are we going to go? Are we going to go with Him? Are we going to, to begin the mission that God has for us? Are we going to, to leave this place empowered by His Spirit, blessed because He has been raised, to go? Because here's what I think we'll end up doing. Most of us will hear this. We'll hear the reality of the mission. We'll hear the need for the mission. And we'll keep doing our own mission. Because we showed up here this morning for one of two reasons. Either because we want to be part of the mission of what God is doing, or we have our own plan. We either want to do what God has called us to do and, and go and proclaim His message and proclaim His kingdom, or we've got our own plan of what we want to do, and this is part of it. Friends, the mission is set before us. The kingdom of God is at hand. Christ has ascended back to the Father and He is coming again. And time is short. The message is urgent. Are we going to begin the mission? 
when you leave here, when you walk out of those doors, and you walk back out into Eichard, and you travel back into to Cowell County or Catawba County, somewhere in Burke County, Alexander County, you, you go back to your home, you go back to, to work tomorrow, you go back to school tomorrow. The mission is set in front of you. The work, the work that God has for you is set in front of us. You know, you know the person that I'm talking about that, that is your neighbor or your coworker or your fellow student who is lost. You know them by name as I mention this. You, you know their name. You know who they are. When you go back tomorrow, wherever it is you are going, will it be your mission? Whether that's to, to have a good day at school or to get through work or to make a little extra money or to clean up your yard, whatever it is, will it be your mission tomorrow or will it be God's mission? The eternal mission, the mission from here to the ends of the earth, the mission empowered by the Spirit, the mission that must be covered in prayer, the mission that, that requires unity of God's people, will it be your mission or God's mission? Let me encourage you with this. As you leave here this morning, begin the mission that God has. The church begins in the book of Acts. And for you, the mission begins today. Will you do what God has called you to do? Will you follow Him faithfully? Obey His Word and proclaim His kingdom? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your grace and truth and mercy. We thank You that You love us and care for us. We thank You that You have given us hope. You've given us peace and grace. We thank You that You love and care for us even God, even as we have been far from You, I pray, God, that we would all take seriously the work that You have before us. That we would go. That we would go. We would go and share Your good news. God, the world around us is lost and dying. People are hopeless. They don't know what's going to happen. They're unsure. People leave this world every day without knowing You. God, I pray that we would take seriously the call You've given us to share Your good news with a world that is lost and dying. Leading God our hearts as we, as we pray together, sing together, as we conclude this time of worship together. Praying in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand as we sing this final song this morning. My hope is that you will respond to God's Word. Maybe that means that during this time you need to come and, and pray. Pray for that lost person you know that needs the message. Pray that, that your heart would be broken for the needs around you. That your focus would not be on yourself, but on others who desperately need Christ. Maybe you would come and pray that God would empower you to go. He would empower you through His Spirit to go and reach people around you with the gospel. Maybe as you go, you would pray that God would not let you ignore the needs around you any longer, but that you would be faithful in sharing the good news with those who are lost and dying. Would you respond to His Word as we have this time together? All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily.
Thank you for coming to worship this morning and just pray that as we go, uh, the Lord would bless you and keep you and he would make his face to shine upon you. He would give you peace and you would go knowing that, that the task set before you, it, it's not insurmountable. It's not unachievable. It's exactly what he has planned. It seems like a whole lot. How does Eichard reach 7 billion people? And yet, friends, if we doubt that that can happen, then we are saying there is something our God cannot do. And we know that our God can do abundantly more than we could ever hope or dream. And so as we go, let's be obedient to our part, knowing that God is going to do great things among his people. Let me pray for us, and this morning we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for loving and caring for us, for leading and guiding us. God, I pray that as we go, we would know that, that it is possible for us to share your word, to preach your gospel because you are alive. We know that you have empowered us by your spirit to go and share this good news to the ends of the earth. God, we know that it is urgent for us because you're coming again. And so God, help us to be unified. Help us to be unified and to pray. To pray that you would do a great thing in our midst. That you would lead and guide us. And that we can rejoice knowing that you're in control. You're a good God who loves his people. And so send us from this place to share your good news. Send us from this place empowered to proclaim your message. And we'll give you the honor and glory for it as we pray in Christ's name. Amen.